Welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. I was trying was to, I supposed to make that more exciting? Uh, I mean, if you want. I, just, I was just trying to be rock and roll. Uh, that fits in perfectly with this week's movie. Which is Phantom of the Paradise from 1974. But first, let's do some 10-word reviews, why don't we? Fun fact, my first review is going to be more than 10 words. Because I refuse to edit myself. Okay, what's it of? Uh, Valerian. Well, there's enough. If if it's like ten words per every two hours, you got like thirty words in there. Thank you. Um, so Valerian, Basan ushers in a new wave of CGI in this mediocre film. Was that a pun? Because he's a new wave French new wave guy. No, he's not. Is he? No, Did he, he do breathless. That was Jean Luc Godard. God dang it! I always confuse <laughs> the two. He's not that old. He was making movies in the '90s. The new wave's in the '60s. I assume, well, see, it's the issue is I thought he was Godard. Yep, that happens a lot. They're um, both Jeans, okay? No, he's Luke. And the other one is Jean-Luc. Oh, okay, They're that's where Lukes. I get confused. Luke's. Yep, okay. They're both Luke's. Sit up. Okay. Okay, my 10-word review for Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets is a fascinating war between delectable sci-fi visuals and garbage-tacular dialogue. It's beautiful. Very descriptive. Thank you. All right, sleepaway camp. Which we watched on my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Brins. Thank we you. We also got to see Matt. Oh, yeah, the... we should shout out to Matt and his beautiful wife. Who... Yes, the beautiful. The... Well, you know what? Um, I don't know if he wants us to share her name publicly, so we'll just call her Mel because he loves Mel Gibson so much. That's true. So thank you so much, Matt and Mel, for having Mel us Gibson. over. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. They and were so, so funny. nice. So yeah. funny, uh, so smart. And we want their apartment. Yeah, well, basically, we're taking it from you. <laughs> um, the contract is signed in blood, so you can't turn back on it. You Perfect have to kill Paul movie. Williams. Perfect for this movie. All right, so, Sleepaway Camp. Uh, uh, so small. <laughs> a logically, no, no, sorry. A comically intriguing beginning with an unforgettable ending. Okay, and my review of Sleepaway Camp is an 80s crop top showroom disguised as a bonkers slasher. Oh, good. Thank you. I liked your review, too. To the bone. Heartfelt, yet tragically indie. An ensemble cast gives the movie uh, life. Great. Um, And my review of Killer Condom (laughs) is, surprisingly, actually a pretty nuanced AIDS metaphor. Delightful campy gem. Okay. Yep. Okay. I don't know what else to say that because I didn't catch Killer Condom. I was waiting for a bigger reaction. It was a German movie. It was fun. Nine. Yeah. It was called Condom des Grauens, which means condom of horrors. Why is it like every German phrase sound like you're mad? That's just kind of how it is, I guess. It's the same with Russian. But you can be happy and say nine. You know the way I say it? Nine. Why would you say no happily? Like, oh, 
are you still a virgin? Well, it's like, do you want me to stab you? I'd be like, nine, you know? Would you be happy about it, though? Yeah, I'd be happy not to be stabbed. I guess. Um, I tend to be happy when I'm not stabbed, Brennan. That's true. I don't know about you. I guess I don't sit there and appreciate enough how much I'm enjoying not being stabbed exactly. at any particular moment. Anytime I'm not being impaled, I'm like, nine, <laughs> you know, just... Maybe even occasionally 10, you know, just shouting numbers you know, out loud. You know in what situation I would say that happily? What? And they're like, how many hamburgers you want? I'm like, nine. You couldn't eat that many hamburgers. I could not, but I would save them for later in the fridge. Okay, that's smart. Yeah. I couldn't even eat that many sliders. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. Sliders are too much bread. <laughs> I don't know whose idea they were. Too much bread. Yeah. This is the third week of a horror a musical month. And we reviewed one of those, one of the movies that's like, about people performing music so it's kind of sort of a musical we'll count it like this is horror and musicals it's yeah slim pickings. yeah it really is and there's so much music in it that it really does count mm-hmm. like it just depends on your definition like all the music pretty much is diegetic which means that it is performed by or like issues from something on screen yeah um, it's very natural yeah it's i hesitate to use the word realistic in relation to the no, film Phantom no. of the Paradise. No, you can use that movie with a straight um, face. Yeah. I mean, sorry, that word with a straight face in this movie. Yeah, anyway. Um, it's a musical. It's Horror Musical Month. It's 1974's Phantom of the Paradise by Brian De Palma. Uh, the, here is the plot from the back of the Scream Factory Blu-ray. Paul Williams wrote the acclaimed score for this musical horror classic and stars as an evil record tycoon haunted and taunted by the disfigured composer Winslow Leach, whom he once wronged. Uh, This hilarious send-up of the glam rock era is pure entertainment from beginning to end. Uh, Hilarious? I, I, I object to that adjective, I guess. There were I mean, some parts that had us rolling. I mean, it's like campy and fun, but I wouldn't call it like a comedy. I think there were some parts that were funny. I guess. It was very over the top. And uh, maybe if we were, I don't know, stoned or drunk or yeah. different people, we would have found it hilarious too. I guess you're right. And as always, um, the back of this DVD case talked more about like the acclaim the movie has than the actual plot of the movie itself. So I'm going to go into a little more detail. Basically... Um, this guy named Swan played by Paul Williams is, uh, he's looking for the next like best beautiful rock act to open his, uh, new club, the paradise. Mm-hmm. And he finds this guy named Winslow. Who's like writing an operetta uh, about Faust, the, mm-hmm. like the mythical German guy who sold his soul to the devil. And guess what? That what? comes back later. <laughs> really? Uh, I mean that, how theme, does it make its appearance again, Brennan? Well, when, uh, Basically, uh, Swan steals Winslow's music, and then he makes Winslow sign a contract that he can like control him. I guess it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. Well, we never really see the fine print. No, we do not. And it's—I mean, to be fair, I don't think any other print was fine. It was all written in like huge calligraphy, but on like eight hundred pages. It was in like old English too. Yeah, it was great. Um, but anyway, so basically, this man gets his music stolen and he gets disfigured. So his vocal cords are like fried and his half of his face is melted because he got it fried in a record pressing machine, mm-hmm. which not something I've ever seen in real life because it's 2017. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> he's in love with like Jessica Harper who plays Phoenix and she's like this beautiful singer and he's like, only she can sing my operetta, but she gets seduced by fame and then there's like a bunch of bloodshed and a big rock show. It's 
a lot goes on in this movie. Yeah, it's it's Phantom of the Opera plus Faust plus a little teensy bit of the picture of Dorian Gray. Where would you get that? Oh, because of the dude. Yeah, when when Paul Williams sells spoilers, I guess when but it, the the plot does not matter in this movie. No. When Paul Williams sells his soul to the devil, he keeps his eternal youth, and there's like a picture that stays the same or that ages while he stays the same, but oh. it. You never really see it. I don't really know what's happening with that. Okay. I guess I didn't see that picture part. I tuned it out. Sorry. That's okay. Um, anyway, we, we, always, we rate our movies on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. That we do. What is your scariness score for this movie? I gave it a one. And the reason why yeah. is that it's too campy to be scary. I feel that. I actually I did give it two. I feel much the same way that you do. But look, hear me out. I really love the design of the Phantom himself. I think it's very silly, but also kind of creepy when he talks, because his voice um, is this like strangle. It's like um, he's actually speaking through like a voice box. So it's mm-hmm. like those people that have the the things when they smoke too much, so their like throats are have a hole gone or whatever. So they put the little metal thing up to their throat, and it's like you don't always die from tobacco. Yeah, and um, so he talks like that, and he's got this. Be- beautiful bird-like mask with one bulging eye, uh-huh. and um, he just—he has a really interest. He's an interesting figure, and I thought he was kind of creepy. Um, that's true. I don't know if I'd count that as being scary, though. I was more annoyed by the voice sound that he made because I could, at some points, I struggled to understand him. That's fair. I liked it though. And for the makeup, I guess you're right because I was bulging, and I thought it was fake. I thought it was a prop. I didn't think it was his actual eye. It was. was so abnormally large. But again, I thought that was more of an effect than anything else. Uh, I don't think an eyeball counts as an effect. Like his it's his makeup, though. That was his face. Makeup. Okay. Um, like that was his eye, but around there was it, black when, makeup. Yeah, black makeup, and he had that black lipstick and all those silver teeth. Oh, I forgot he like, has silver teeth because all his teeth got knocked out in prison. He went yeah. to Sing Sing, which sounds way more fun than it is. Mm, I don't know. Uh, and he had that bird mask. Mm-hmm. Just He's a me. real bird man. It, or um, the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Is that what it is? How I learned to stop wearing oh, yeah. above the bomb. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about the cast before we move on. Okay, Brennan, tell us who the cast was. Okay, well. Because you know these people more than me. Yeah, well, I do, but I want to tell you and just see how it plays for you. All right, let, let me in on this cast party of yours. Um, Paul Williams, who plays the main records producer guy, he also wrote the music for this movie. He also wrote, he wrote all the music for this movie. Uh, he wrote at least most of it. I don't know. I assume all of it, but I haven't like researched okay. it, so I don't. I'm hesitant to make it like if equivocal. not. Did, well, I mean, I guess you wouldn't know this off the top of your head, but do you think he like he was involved in like producing some of it or all of it or like, uh, like no, he he did the music. Who would do certain songs? Because I thought the music was really good. Yeah, no, he wrote the music. It's okay. him. He's a he's a songwriter. Okay. And that's what I was gonna say is What else has he written? He wrote The Rainbow Connection, aka one of the most important songs of ever. AKA um, for also the Muppets. a very delicious milkshake at Shake Shack. Really? Yeah. Well I don't think it. it's a milkshake. I think it's one of those other things that like a concrete. I think that's what it is. It's a concrete. Oh yeah. Whatever, that's annoying. Um but yeah, so 
w- once upon a time in New Zealand in like 1996, there was a young man who held a radio DJ at gunpoint and demanded that he play the Rainbow Connection. And that is very much how I feel about the Rainbow Connection. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Paul Williams means a lot to me. But also, he was just in Baby Driver. He had a small role as the butcher. Yeah, he was pretty cool in that. And literally small. He's a very small man. Yeah, I was really freaked out by his look in this. Because I don't know who... Ex- I feel... You know who he reminded me of? Who did he remind you of? Zelda Rubenstein. Oh, my God, yeah. He reminded me more of Tommy Wiseau because of his long hair and his kind of uh-huh. waxy face. Just, like, his general stature and, like, his weird presence on uh-huh. camera with, like, this weird soulless dude that he was playing. Yeah. Um, but when he was, like, back in time and young and had that ugly wig on, uh, I was like, oh, he seems like a normal-looking guy in this. Yeah. And that was just my two cents on his appearance in this movie. Cool. Um, yeah, so there's another character named Beef who is a glam rock star who gets hired out to uh, perform the operetta that um, the Phantom murders. Very Freddie Mercury, if I do say so myself. Yeah, absolutely. He's the glamest of the glam rockers. He's like, he's really fey offstage. Um, what the heck is fey mean? Like, uh, gayish, uh, like feminine, like campy. He's okay. camp. Okay. Um, he's like, oh my God, we're talking about that. I don't know. I can't do it right. That's not he's, at all what he he's sounds like. He's very stereotypically gay when he's off stage. Yeah, but like that—that's ex- he very much embodies the spirit of camp, uh, glam rock because it's like this weird combination of uh, like extreme hyper masculinity when he's on stage and just like really like camp fayness off stage mm-hmm. and like combines them. He has like this beautiful glittery perm, and it's he's the weirdest character. But he's played by Garrett Graham. Who you would know from playing the dad in Child's Play 2. That's the one where they're like at a military compound, right? No, that's Child's Play 3. That's the one where the the kid gets fostered because his mom goes crazy. Okay, yeah, and then there's like a sister there. Yeah, uh, her name is Kyle and she's awesome. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's that. Um. There's also the voiceover in the beginning of this movie giving the um, backstory is Rod Serling from The Twilight Zone. I forgot there was. I didn't. I didn't recognize. I didn't know there was a narrator at the beginning. I think you were asleep. I wasn't asleep. I want to be asleep. But anyway, and the beautiful wide-eyed ingenue named Phoenix is played by Jessica Harper, who has had two other roles in major cult movies. I get every three years, pretty much. She was in Phantom of the Paradise, which is her first movie role. Oh, was this what? Yeah, and then three years later, she was in Suspiria, which oh, is the, the witch movie. Yeah, the Dario Argento masterpiece. And then three years after that, she was in another masterpiece called Shock Treatment, which What's is that? the Remind sequel me? to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, um, and one of the best movies ever made. Did she have any singing roles in that? Because her singing voice was phenomenal. Yeah, no, she was the major singing role. She played Janet, which was she replaced Susan Sarandon in the role. She played Damn It, Janet. Yep. Oh wow, good for her. And her voice is even more like caramel and luscious in shock well, treatment. Well, it's aged by that point. Yeah, it was... Richer. Six years later, I guess. Richer sound. Mm-hmm. A deeper sound. It's like a nice, deep, rich coffee. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure she's the best actress in the world, but she's got a powerful voice. Well, this movie didn't really provide much of a role for her. No, it did not. Something that I wrote in my campiness section was the female dialogue in this film is sorely lacking. Mm-hmm. Actually, a couple of years ago... Um, sorry, this is a total tangent. But she started a cooking show on YouTube, and it's pretty funny. Is it campy? No. I mean, it's just her talking about cooking, but 
she look she looks like she hasn't aged a day. Uh-huh. Um, she's great. Also, just a little more, more notes on her. Since are we on campiness yet or no? Uh, we can move on to campiness. Okay. Well, no, we can keep going. Sorry, I okay. just was, I thought we were on campiness. I just took a diversion. Um. Well, no, but I thought that yes, her singing is phenomenal. But I also thought they didn't have a place in this movie. Yeah, the style. She sings a lot of ballads when this movie's very much about yeah. rock and roll. So many of the songs that we're playing were like high intensity, high emotion rock and roll songs that got your blood pumping. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden she would come on stage and have this like slow Adele style ballad with this very deep, rich voice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this is a lovely song, but I really don't feel that it fits into the movie as well as they think it did. That actually happens a couple times in Shock Treatment also. Really? <laughs> Two of her solo songs, you're like, why is this here? This is very long. So it goes from like uh, TikTok to like hello. Basically. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I love Shock Treatment, but yeah, there, there's a little bit of a pacing problem with a couple of her solos because she's, she's, that's her skill mm-hmm. set. Has she ever released an album? Do you know that? I don't. It seems to me like she'd be a much better musician than actress. I don't think so at all. I don't. I don't think she's really done much acting. She married like the head of a studio. Oh, so she's doing just fine. Yeah, she's doing great. Um. Anyway, what's your campiness score? I give that one a four. Ooh, why? Uh, this is over the top. This movie was crazy. It was very fast paced at the beginning. Um, oh yeah, to the point where I was confused as to what was even happening and why, what, like, what were the motivations behind some of the characters? No, that's fair. Um, I'm I'm a little more musical literate, so I could kind of piece together what was going on. Because mm-hmm. in musicals, they do skip around a lot. Mm-hmm. But we had to like pause every now and then and kind of take stock and be like, "What the hell is happening right now?" Yeah. What was what would you call the split screen? Is that an effect or? I guess a style it, of editing. It's yeah, it's an aesthetic. It's I mean, this is a Brian De Palma movie, and he loves split screen. Uh huh. So I just thought that was confusing because I was confused as to where to look at because uh-huh. you're overwhelmed. Screens, yeah, like in both screens. Uh, I mean, Quentin Tarantino, like little sidebar here, he does a lot of split screens in some of his movies, but mm-hmm. I don't think in multiple of those boxes on screen are people talking and like you have to look at each one. Yeah. To, like, sort of understand. And this one, you had two different things happening, or I think two different versions of the same thing happening, and you were you had to like pay attention to the lyrics because I thought they were important, or pay attention to what this uh-huh. like, guy was doing backstage. And I was just it was confused for me. I get that. I thought that scene was really interesting because mm-hmm. it's two angles of you know it's actually it's very Hitchcockian, and De Palma has been like known as one of the like biggest uh, Hitchcock fanboys. Yeah, or like acolytes or uh, um, students of his style of yeah, cinema. Yeah, students of Hitchcock. Um, or like people to kind of take up the mantle, mm-hmm. um, but because sorry, I, this is gonna be a tangenty episode. But um, Hitchcock always said like he was saying the difference between like a suspense, like good suspense and bad suspense, or like bad suspense is like if a bomb goes off when two people are sitting at a table and like it's a shock, but it's not lasting. But good suspense if is if you see the bomb under the table and then watch the people eat so you know the bomb is there. Mm-hmm. And the suspense is you waiting for it to explode and it's not the shock. Yes. Like um, uh, another tangent or another sidebar uh-huh. Great. is in the last uh, the season the finale. The last Airbender. No, the season finale of the season six of Game of Thrones. Where, okay. Uh, Spoilers? I mean, everybody's seen it. Okay. Um... Oh, where uh, Cersei, like there's bombs beneath the castle and you're, you're waiting to see if uh, everyone's going to explode or not or yeah. if this guy is going to like 
close the match before it lights uh, the bomb, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know something bad mm-hmm. is going to happen. Uh-huh. You don't know when. Uh-huh. And you're hoping it doesn't. Uh-huh. And uh, just to tie in, like, make it come full circle, uh, in that scene of Game of Thrones, there's a really good score playing that really builds the scene. Yeah. And something that this movie had going for it, it's not campy, I don't really know where it fits in, is the score to the movie. Yes. Uh, it was very instrumental, and I thought it worked really well for the movie. Cool. Just to, like help give it certain scenes more feeling than others for sure but anyway sorry so the sequence we were talking about is a split screen sequence of we see that the phantom has placed the bomb in a prop car that's being pushed onto the stage Mm -hmm. so one um side of the screen is you watching the car backstage and the people like arguing over whether or not like where to push it and who to put on it and all this stuff and then the other part of the screen is the performance on stage it's like yeah, it's front stage and it's backstage, and you're watching them kind of collide as this bomb slowly approaches the stage, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a really cool shot. Yeah, but it is overwhelming. It's a it's long. Mm-hmm. Um, did, uh, so you gave it four, right? I gave it four because uh, there was a lot going on, and it mm-hmm. kind of was a big mess. Um, ah, uh, yeah, yep. But I thought it was good. I thought it, some parts were really funny. Oh, yeah. There's this one part where our friend uh, Phoenix is singing. Yes. She's she's auditioning at this point, right? Oh, yes. It's her second audition for uh-huh. some reason. Uh-huh. And she's singing, and then <gasps> she just sings off stage. Yeah, she, she leaves she, the frame. She boogies right off the stage. <laughs> she dances off stage, and then we're just left there like looking at for like a good few seconds. And eventually, she comes dancing right back <laughs> yeah. into frame. That was good. As if nothing happened. And there's really no explanation as to why she left the uh-huh. uh, the stage, but you know, it was funny. Yeah, and um, I'm giving it five out of five perms. Oh wow! Because this movie is nothing if not campy. There's literally yeah. a perm in it, also. So who's perm? I mean, everybody has a perm. Beef, uh, the glam rock guy. You're right. Phoenix has a perm, sort of. No, she doesn't. Big feathered hair. That's different than a perm. It's, can be a perm. I don't think so. I think you need to have a perm to get big feathered hair. Anyway, um, th- it's just so campy. There, there's a part that's very silent film-esque where uh, the f- phantom before he has been disfigured is running through the hallways of, uh, is it Death Records is the name of the record yeah. company? which is a little dead bird. Yeah, campy in and of itself. What was with uh, all the birds? There was a lot of bird imagery for no particular reason. I guess reason. more of a, like, a sign that he's a fan of Hitchcock. I guess. Sure. Because Phoenix is the name of a bird. She yeah. was always in feathers. Yeah, and uh, Swan is a bird. Swan is a bird. And the Phantom's mask looked like a bird. Exactly. And the logo of the company was a bird. Uh-huh. It's all kinds of birds. Maybe it's because birds have freedom, and it's ironic because they're all trapped in the contract with the devil. Don't, like, my Angelou, I know why the cage bird sings things this. Uh, well, what what do you think it would be? I don't know. I, just, uh, I think it's more of a shout-out to his homie, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Sure. Um, anyway, there's a part where he's he's running through the office just knocking stuff down, and it's very, like, Keystone Cops-esque. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of Scooby-Doo-ish. Like, he comes, goes in one door, and then he just kind of, like, oh, appears I somewhere don't... else. Wait, no, was that the beginning? The one where, like, he keeps trying to bust into the office? Yeah. And, <laughs> and the security guards are just chasing him. Yeah. And it's like, how does he keep getting past security? It's crazy. Yeah. Another thing uh, was his, I guess, first death scene uh, when he's watching swan and phoenix like make love oh god yeah he's on the roof looking through a glass ceiling of sorts Uh and he's like torn apart by this by what's happening in front of his eyes and he decides to just stab himself he's like ah 
and then it's just out of nowhere really he kills himself yeah that's a that's a sublimely over the top performance because uh-huh. that that same part i thought you were going to bring this up um as he's staring through the window you can hear her voice singing in like just an overhead track uh-huh. and his mouth is agape and his eyes bugging out staring through the window uh-huh. and it kind of looks like he's singing the song um it's hilarious. It's, he just he mugs so much to the camera, and it's so delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and this the style of this movie is so distinct and interesting and weird. It it reminds me a lot of like the Rocky Horror canon of just like we're throwing so much at the wall. Uh-huh. Um, all the doorways in the movie are really low, so everyone has to like crouch to that get into rooms. Me. I it don't was know why confusing. that was like that was that. weird. But there is there's a be- there are some beautiful sequences. Um, there's a part where uh, Paul Williams is sitting in this like giant table, round table shaped like a record, mm-hmm. and he's spinning, and the lights come up on different people auditioning, uh-huh. and it's like a cool like montage type thing. Uh-huh. And then there's a part there is another montage where um, the Phantom's writing his opera, and there's like pictures of Jessica Harper's face and like clocks and music notes like flying all around, uh-huh. and it sounds it sounds like the worst like Windows Movie Maker effects, but it actually is really it's a really uh, pretty. I remember sequence. really liking the CD thing. Sorry, the record thing. Yeah, that was awesome. What was the one part that I really liked about the movie? I told you to write down like me likey. Oh, oh, I'll, f- I'll find it in my notes. Hold on. Keep talking. Um. So yeah, that was what I thought about campus. He's gonna have to take a pause. Oh, um, there was an effect when um when Beef gets electrocuted to death. Oh, okay. That's a perfect uh, transition. Transition into effects. Yes. So, Brendan, what's your effects score? Uh, my effects score is a two out of five. What? I give it four. Okay. I see. Well, where I come from on, uh, from effects, I'm thinking of gore and blood, and there just wasn't a lot of that in this movie. Makeup. And what was there was very seventies. See, for me, makeup kind of gets folded into camp, so that's where I'm coming from. Okay. But why did you give it four out of five? Um, had good face makeup. His costume yes. was really creepy. Oh, the costuming is so good in this movie. Um, yeah, whatever vibe this movie was going for, I cannot tell you. It's but eclectic. What I, but what I can tell you is that everybody's costumes, all the sets, all the dialogue, uh, was very cohesive, and it delivered again whatever weird vibe it was trying to tell. Yes. I wouldn't be able to put in words, but there was a vibe. No, it's a deeply bizarre movie. Uh huh. And of course, as I made you mention what my favorite death scene was, when the dude got electrocuted. Yeah, it's like this weird stuttering effect that's kind of like freeze frames, uh-huh. but like just enough. Let's lay it out for them, okay? So Beef is on stage performing a song. Yes. Uh, he's like making love to the stage, and he's uh, uh, he was actually already warned by... The Phantom. By the Phantom to not sing any more of his songs because they're all for Phoenix, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And he defied the orders. He's on stage making love to it, just singing, having a good time. And he's reaching the climax of the song, like the very last note, like that final note. Yeah. And he re- like he reaches the point, and all of a sudden, uh, the sorry, Phantom. the Phantom, I want to say Swan, I don't know why, um, shoots like a lightning bolt directly yeah, at him. it's a, like a neon sign shaped like a lightning bolt that he hits him in the back and electrocutes him. Uh-huh. And then there's like this, we- like, you can take it from here. No, it's a stuttering effect. It's like, it's like a freeze frames, but just fast enough that it feels like it's in consistent motion. Uh-huh. And it's really cool. Uh-huh. And it's a very evocative way of doing electrocutions 
Because I've seen a lot of fake electrocutions in 80s movies, and they never look good. Yeah. And this doesn't look realistic, but it's, like, perfectly stylish Uh and cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a convincing electrocution No, it's not an easy effect. Um, Just because I think it's... I think it's easy to imagine someone getting stabbed or someone getting shot and just how that would be. Uh But it's very hard to imagine what someone getting electrocuted is like. And that's hard to act. That's not a, a physical set of movements that people can just kind of do. Yeah, because it's so rarely like on video. I don't think I've ever seen like an actual electrocution on video uh-huh. short of like, you know, the chair. Um, yeah. And even those seem a little fake at times. Uh, but so I think they pulled it off really well and it fit in with the campiness of the overall movie. Yeah. Well, let's move on to quality. Um, what's your quality score for this movie? I originally gave it a four. Okay. But that was me being too generous. So you're giving uh, it a five. I'm giving it a three. Okay. Um, it has the potential to be a four, but for whatever reason, this movie struck me as something that really requires a second watch to fully appreciate. Yeah. Now that you've got gotten the lay of the land and kind of understand what's going on in general, yeah. you can appreciate the weirdness of it. Yeah. I thought it was very well produced. It had some really decent shots. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, the music was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that I could see myself downloading and like listening on my iPod, maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, if I was more of a movie. Uh, but yeah, these are my thoughts. What are yours? Yeah. Um, I'm giving it four out of five. Okay. I'm kind of wavering on whether it's like a like a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten. Uh huh. Um, like I think, uh, like for me, it feels like it's so much in the same vein of Rocky Horror as like it feels like this perfectly like it's this it was like totally came pre-made as this beautiful alien object that is entirely itself and doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense but it's just such so unique and I feel like I again I like just like you I feel like I need to see it again to be able to properly assess it but I was really captivated by a lot of it. Uh-huh. Um, I think uh, some scenes linger a bit too long in a in a very 70s way where it's like, I don't need to be watching this. Like, weird rock and roll bacchanal go on for two more minutes. Yeah. Um, but I really liked the split screen. It's a fun cautionary tale of the music industry mm-hmm. that combines a bunch of yeah, weird... Yeah, I definitely thought that there was a big music scene or industry like allegory going on here. It's about drugs and contracts and Uh a lot of basic stuff. It's also like this weird melange of literary influences and it's, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with a four out of five. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah. How are you feeling about musicals month? We've had some ups and some downs. Yeah. We've had one that's really good. Uh Um, Little shop, little shop. Uh, one that was, you know, shit out my pants uh repo the genetic opera there you go it caused you to invent a whole other scale which was yawns mm-hmm. um this one i guess is somewhere in between but i do feel like it really deserves a second watch to enjoy yeah. um and i feel like it's something that we could have benefited from or sorry we could have enjoyed more if say like there was another couple people in the room and we were just watching it to make fun of it yeah or or watching it to have fun with uh-huh. it uh-huh like we're laughing with it uh-huh um yeah no i feel the exact same way and um i guess i kind of we've been talking for long enough like i guess we can kind of wrap up the convo a bit um i'll tell you what we're watching next week but first here's how you can contact us 
You can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars, and I will give you something. Like a like a, a He'll kiss. give you a copy of his resume. Yeah, I will, and you can get me a job. Here, I'm going to pull a movie out of this stack that I have, and we'll see that's what will be our prize will be for this week. All right. Swiss Army Man. That movie's great. You should want this. Yeah, I really like that movie. Oh, it was so good. Also, a deeply weird movie <laughs> with it, a great soundtrack. Yep, and a great original song as well. Yes, it, yeah. Pop, 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 pop. Yep. I'm doing it off-key and wrong so that we don't get sued. Yeah, I'm sure that's what you're doing. I think covers are fine. Um, but, yeah, you don't want to sign the contract. Anyway, our, our theme song is A Beat For You by Pseudo Echo off their album... <laughs> autumnal park and next week do you want to know what we're watching i do i want to know what i'm in for okay i'm gonna tell everyone right now um i'm so sure you guys can watch and critique along with us yeah i'm sure you're gonna want to get on this but we're watching a 1990 movie called rockula sounds familiar um, and it sounds like we cannot escape vampires i know but dean cameron is in it and i have a crush on him so i'm cool with it who the heck is that yeah yeah, that's how it goes, pretty much. He was I, he was in a movie called Summer School that was big in the 80s with the teens, with the cool hip teens. Um, but he was also in uh, a movie called... Oh, he was in Ski School also. He goes to school a whole bunch. Um, he goes during the winter, during yeah. the summer, apparently. But he was in a slasher movie called Bad Dreams with uh, Jennifer Rubin of Dream Warriors. And I liked... He, he has nice eyebrows. Okay. He was apparently in Straight Outta Compton as Capitol Records person. Evil executive, probably. Yeah, probably. He was a white. He's a white, so like you know. Oh, it's for Paul Giamatti's character. Uh huh. Um. Okay, so I'm intrigued. Also, I would like to take this moment to apologize to those of you who stuck with us through last week's episode. That was a low point <laughs> in my life. I, I oh, came yeah. off. I listened to it. and I was like, I come off as very whiny. So I'm sorry to everybody <laughs> like I, I promise to be more alert next time yeah I'm, through f- going forward i'm happy you've had your moment of clarity thank you i had one of my aha moments <laughs> oh that was loud as oprah calls them okay great um we'll see you next week for rockula and we'll wrap up this month uh until then good luck on your journey and stay gold everybody <laughs> oh that was frightening i sneezed i know I tried to hold it back, but it just came out at the end there. Okay, well, you're... Should I redo that? No, because it was kind of perfect for this movie, but also you're going to be putting that microphone away because I'm not touching that. I'm not sick. You sneezed on the microphone. It's got boogies. I'm I'm not worried about germs. I don't want to touch your boogies. Who the hell calls them boogies? I just did. Call them boogers. Boogies. Boogers. Bye. Oogie boogie. Oogie boogie. Should I keep going? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go. Going to keep on up to the side to a deluxe apartment made of pie. Living in a crust. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Dave. And we are the co hosts of Cast Party. It's a freewheeling pop culture conversation. I am an online media mogul. 
And I'm not. I'm a drama teacher. Yes. He, in fact, my drama teacher. We kind of transplant the conversations that we have every time we hang out into a podcast, and we hope you like it. Check it out. Enjoy. At podpeople.me. That was, that was really fun and not awkward at all. <laughs> Bye.